Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. What we're asking for is that workers be valued as people. This is a conversation that should have been had a very long time ago. And it's unfortunate, but it just so happened that coronavirus was our platform to where this is like a hot topic and people want to hear more and people want to see how they can get more involved and make change. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Our Future Now, the official National Children's Campaign podcast. At the National Children's Campaign, we fight to uplift the voices of America's 74 million children. My name is Jonah Gottlieb, and I'm joined here today by my co-host, Natalie Meebane. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie Meebane. We're happy to have you back for our third episode. So, Natalie, how's your week been? I know that we're still stuck in the middle of quarantine, but still finding the good things in life, I hope. I am a bit. Haven't gone out to walk that much recently. It's been a lot of rain recently in the DC area, but getting through busy week. I know we had a pretty busy week last week too, Jonah. Last week was Earth Week. I hope some of you guys got to see the Earth Day Live that took place. It was a really great content. And Jonah, I know you had a lot of uh, panels that week. During Earth Week, I was on a few different panels with some amazing people like Mustafa Ali, Jenna Reed, Levi Dreheim. Dr. Mona Hana Atisha, awesome people like that, and Sayo But Witherspoon. And it was really great just to talk about why we fight for climate justice, why we're fighting for the planet, and what more that people can do to join the fight. Excellent. You did a great job. And I remember there was something else really interesting you did on Earth Day itself when you introduced this resolution. At National Children's Campaign, we've been working for a while on getting more young people to actually write legislation. And so one of the things that we did was I wrote a resolution that was introduced by Senator Tammy Baldwin that commemorated Earth Day, the 50th anniversary, and Senator Gaylord Nelson, who helped facilitate and create the first Earth Day. So it was really great to work with Senator Baldwin and her team on that and kind of show young people that fossil fuel lobbyists aren't the only people who can write legislation. Excellent idea there. Yes, it doesn't just have to come from lobbyists, especially lobbyists for fossil fuels. So look at that. You're out here, not even done high school, and you wrote a resolution that was introduced on Earth Day with Senator Tammy Baldwin. So really proud of you there, Jonah. Last episode, we were chatting, we were talking about just how this virus has really impacted students and their lives and their home lives and having their schools obviously closed during this time, having to now do these remote classes. And we, you know, we interviewed our, our great friend Elsa about that. And we came up with some really helpful guidelines for families and schools. We talked with students, we talked with teachers, parents, administrators, school board members, and put together this list of guidelines for anyone from preschool to college so that students and teachers and administrators can all work together and create the best possible environment for students and young people during this time and making sure that we're taking the well-being of students into account as our first and foremost priority instead of just student productivity. And so some of the guidelines talk about taking care of vulnerable student populations, such as unhoused students, students who are relying on their schools for meals, and then also more technical things like staggering Zoom calls so that students aren't having to deal with bad Wi-Fi because multiple people in the same house are using Zoom at the same time. And so it's just a really great list of tips and tricks that we really encourage parents and students to show your teachers and show your school administrators so that we can create the best possible experience for students in the midst of this crisis. Absolutely. So if you guys want to check out our guidelines, just visit our website, nationalchildrenscampaign.org. 
and you can see some helpful tips to help get through this crisis together. We just finished May Day recently. May Day, the big sort of national, international strikes day for workers. And especially during this time when we're seeing all these people were essential workers, they have to work through this crisis. And many of them are not having the proper protections needed to really keep themselves and their families safe. I'm really happy to have our special guest here, Victory Wabufo and Yolian Ogbu, the founders of the Your Workers, My Family campaign, which is an initiative of the National Children's Campaign. So welcome on both Victory and Yolian. So happy to have you here with us. Hi, thank you. Hi, so happy to be here. We're really excited to have both of you here, Victory and Yolian. I know you guys are both juniors at University of North Texas, where you all met. And tell us a little bit about what this Your Workers, My Family campaign is. I know you just launched it really recently. And I know from what I've been told, Yolian, it has to do with your mom and how she is an essential worker along with your dad. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess to better understand what the campaign is about, it's definitely important to kind of talk about the origin story. So this happened on April 14th. I had decided to post a Twitter thread, just a search on positivity. My mom had actually organized a wildcat strike at her Texas nursing home to advocate for hazard pay successfully. So I was just so inspired by all of her actions that I decided to post about it on Twitter and let the people know. Once it was posted, it was literally overnight that it became viral. It had reached over 6 million people, garnered like 94,000 likes. It was wild. And so when all of that happened, I got a bunch of DMs of people talking about their stories of having family members that are essential workers. And I realized, of course, like this isn't a rarity. Like this is common. Everyone's going through something like this. And so Victory and I ended up just having a conversation about the outcome of the Twitter thread and how viral it went. And we were just talking about how we felt a little helpless and wanted to do something about what was going on or contribute positively. And that's actually how Victory came up with the hashtag. Yeah, so Yolian was just sharing her mom's story and we were like, okay, so if this isn't just your mom, if it's my mom, it has to be other people's parents as well. And so we were just throwing ideas back and forth. It was originally hashtag your workers, my parents. And then we changed it to hashtag your workers, my family, just to make it a little bit more inclusive. Since we know that essential workers aren't always people's parents, they could be aunts, uncles, step siblings, things like that. Yeah, it was incredible. And I posted another tweet just saying, hey, if you want to get involved in a cool campaign that's surrounding organizing around hazard pay, DM me. And so we had over 60 people join a Slack group chat two days after posting. And it's literally been a week and we literally launched a national campaign along with NCC. So it's, it's been pretty wild. Wow. That is really fast. Just to show you how many people reached out to you and were really resonated with your story, the story from about your mom and how she's been directly affected and how quickly you were able to find other people who were like, wait a second, I also want to organize for my family. This is not fair. And then you created, I mean, this whole campaign in just a matter of weeks. And then I know a linked up with us and reached out and now we can work together to really take off. And I know you all were featured in CNN just recently. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh, that was so wild. I think until now, like Victory and I still think that it was kind of surreal. Essentially, like we were interviewed by a reporter just talking about our story. And um, we talked a little bit about why we think social media is so important in this movement, but also why it's so important to bring in young people into, I think, the labor movement, which historically hasn't truly 
involved a lot of young people before, considering it mostly is talking about workers' rights. And we don't really involve like high schoolers or college students into that. So we decided to put a cool spin on it. I think the wildest part about that interview was that we didn't know that it was for CNN until the very end. But so y'all went on at the very end, she was like, okay, so where can we find this interview? And the reporter was like, oh, CNN.com. And Yolian and I were both kind of speechless. Usually whenever we're talking to people about this campaign, we kind of fill in on each other's thoughts. But at this point, we just didn't say anything because we weren't expecting that we would be on CNN. So that was really, really great. I love that it was in the beginning of our campaign because it really legitimized like what we were doing. Because the members of our team know how important this is, but to have it on CNN was a really wonderful opportunity to raise awareness about the campaign and the issue in general. Yeah, I think having a platform to tell your story like CNN is really so validating for so many people around the country who are dealing with this exact same thing. And I think that's a lot of what people in general are trying to do is tell their stories and make sure that people aren't feeling alone in their problems. And so that's when we're talking about the climate crisis. That's when we're talking about gun violence. It's especially pertinent right now when we're talking about essential workers and their families because there are so many people who are being impacted by the coronavirus. Right. And I think that's why Yolian and I thought it was so, so important to get young people in on this campaign and on this initiative and on this movement. Like she said, young people aren't really thought about, regardless of essential workers, just social issues in general. But it's been proven that some of the most successful movements have been led by young people. And so the fact that our group was able to mobilize all of these people from different parts of the world has been really incredible. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And it's led by young people, but still completely supported by adults. We're, you know, such an intergenerational coalition. And I think that's so important is having young people who are essential workers fighting for themselves and young people whose families are essential workers fighting for their families and adults who are essential workers fighting for themselves and talking about the conditions and everyone telling their stories and talking about how they've been impacted and what people in power can do to make their lives better in the midst of a pandemic, I think is just such a crucial and beautiful part of what you two have put together and this coalition has put together. And so I really commend you for that. Thank you so much. Thanks. know that your workers my family has some pretty specific things that you want to accomplish and get past for essential workers some of the big things that we are advocating for are proper payment and protection of essential workers so that means anything ranging from given proper hazard pay to all employees at their workplace having ppe be required and have it sufficient PPE given to all employees. Also even providing paid sick leave and making sure that the facilities in which they are working in are sanitary and are clean. So just some basic things like that are what we are advocating for, but essentially as long as essential workers are properly compensated and protected, those are our main goals. I think that's so essential to be fighting for essential workers. I know that in my own life, when we were first going into quarantine and just in the first days of this, we donated our big stockpile of masks that my family has because of the fires that hit Sonoma County every year. And so we were prepared and we had all these masks and we ended up having to donate them all to our friend who works at a hospice because she and her coworkers didn't have these masks as they were caring for elderly people, many of whom could have been infected with coronavirus. And it just goes to show how many people are being impacted by this and how few protections so many people have. 
above all, what we're asking for is that workers be valued as people. Yolian and I always say that this is a conversation that should have been had a very long time ago. And it's unfortunate, but it just so happened that coronavirus was our platform to where this is like a hot topic and people want to hear more and people want to see how they can get more involved and make change. Natalie, I know that you also have a story about someone very close to you and your family that's also an essential worker. My mom's best friend, actually, so it's our family friend. She works in a nursing home and same type of thing where she's directly in contact with people people who are definitely elderly and there are people there who are absolutely showing the symptoms of coronavirus right now. And a lot of the nurses were like, look, we don't really want to come in. This is dangerous. We don't have all the proper gear. She has a mask, but they have to reuse it. Things, same types of things that you're seeing in hospitals. And a lot of the nurses have called out and recently they were trying to get her essentially to do a lot of like nursing duties. She's not a nurse, but they were trying to essentially give her completely new duties, things that she has not been properly trained on, right? Because that's not her job in order to fill in the gaps because of so many staffers that didn't want to come in. And you can just imagine that obviously is going to hurt patient care because they're not going to have all the staff that they need. But it's also not fair, obviously, to the staff who are on the front lines and really risking their lives. And she herself is not a young person. She's in her 70s. She's obviously in a very high risk group. And it's just really shocking to see that people have to keep choosing between their livelihood and their lives. And that's just is really what it comes down to it. It's a really tough time, Jonah. I really can only imagine not having everything you need to feel safe to do your daily job. Yolian, I know that a lot of your actions leading up to May Day and including May Day was calling out corporations and making sure that they were fighting for their employees. Can you just elaborate a little bit? You know, what exactly were you doing? Yeah, so we have had a two-pronged approach to going about our week of action. So first, we engaged in a lot of storytelling. We collected a lot of stories of essential workers themselves or family members that have essential workers, and we posted those stories to kind of boost their own platforms and have our platform be like a central place for sharing people's stories. But the second part to this was engaging in some tweet bombing campaigns. We always know that social media can be particularly powerful if you want to agitate someone or a company. So we believed that we could just tweet out several companies that weren't providing hazard pay, PPE, or paid sick leave, and make those demands known. We believe that if we did that in critical mass, we would gain some attention. And it looked like it worked. That's amazing. So, Victory, I know this past week you guys targeted companies, asking them to provide protective gear to their workers as well as hazard pay. You're going to continue the campaign. Who are you targeting next? Right. We're going to take it a step further and start tweeting at members of Congress because ultimately we know that policy changes are what needs to be done for there to be lasting change in the workplace so that the demands that our campaign are asking for can be reached. Why are you all targeting members of Congress next time? Just because we know other grassroots and mobilizing the people is really, really important. Our elected officials have a lot of power. And if we're able to get them on our side, then they can write policy and rule in our favor. Absolutely. I think it's great to not just focus on the individual of what this company can do, but also what our entire nation needs to do and making sure that our workers are protected. And so we really are thankful for your time and efforts and building this campaign with us and making sure that as many workers, essential, everyone can be protected. 
if you could say there was something that anyone could do to get involved, like what would be that you would want people to do to help with this campaign, whether they have family or friends who are essential workers or not, what should they do to really speak up on this problem? I think for my end, Victory and I believed that storytelling can be so powerful and that's why this campaign started. So even though it's after May Day, use the hashtag YourWorkersMyFamily and share, share, share your stories of your loved ones or your experience as an essential worker because the fight doesn't stop after May Day. It only continues and builds more. So use that hashtag. Follow us on social media. Our Instagram and Facebook are YourWorkersMyFamily. Our Twitter is YWMF.org. You can also visit nationalchildrenscampaign.org slash yourworkersmyfamily. I think that's perfect. We're all going through a lot of the same things. And the more we talk about it and share our stories, the more powerful we all become. And so I want to thank you both for being on. Thank you for your work, your activism, and for helping lead this movement. Thank you so much, both Victory and Yolian. Really happy to have you with us and to be working with you on Your Workers, My Family. So, we're really grateful for NCC, though, for sure, because I don't even know how we would even begin to get the contacts or like anything that we've had. So we're super, super grateful. Thank you for choosing us to work on this with you guys. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you again for joining us for another podcast. Make sure to check out our website, nationalchildrenscampaign.org, as well as our social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks to Goal 17 Media for making this podcast possible. Today's episode of Our Future Now was produced by Sean Fox. Make sure you subscribe, whether it's Google Play Podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere that you get your podcast from. We're very happy to have you. Thank you all so much for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week on Our Future Now. Our Future Now.